how are you going to onboard people who don't understand or want to pay for gas fees? Is there a chain or like a layer two that you see would be more opt for mass adoption? Or do you think ETH is going to finally evolve into solving that problem itself? The future is going to be multi-chain and the best experiences will be you're not even realizing you're interacting with the blockchain. When you're on the internet, you don't realize you're using the cloud. The cloud's just doing its thing and we're benefiting from it. And it's going to be the same thing with like Web3 tech. It feels right now, it feels like we're using the blockchain because it's so new and we haven't gotten to the user experiences that are mature enough to get away from that yet. All right, Seed Phrase Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode. As usual, we have another great guest as well. Josh will go ahead and introduce himself from the Unstoppable Podcast. Josh, what's going on? Pleasure having you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my name is Josh Gordon. I host the Unstoppable Podcast. I, I really consider myself a, a Web3 creator. So outside of just the pod, I'm trying to dive into all the different ways that you can create content using NFTs, Web3 tech. So happy to talk about all that today, digital identity, and uh, just really NFTs as a whole. It's, uh, it's my job to talk about this stuff all day. So uh, happy to be here. So... Talk to me, bro. I mean, obviously, you've been doing this for almost a year now, right? Tell me what was life a year ago before NFTs were as hot and as interesting as they are now? I got into NFTs really beginning of 2021. I had a friend who started a Web3 music startup and just following him, seeing his moves, that got me interested in the space to begin with. And it was so different uh, a year ago, maybe 16 months ago than it is today. And I think the one of the biggest reasons is all this was new and people were just like, had no idea what NFTs could become. And so I always like to think about the evolution of kind of the hype cycles that we saw. And it for me, it really, it got kicked off with NBA Top Shot. I think a lot of people will say that that was how I first got introduced to the scene, started buying some packs, opening them and uh, having a lot of fun with friends around that. We got into PFPs, you know, apes took off, generative art, art blocks took off. Music NFTs had their moment. And then all of a sudden, we just saw like a just a combustion of all different types of projects. And now what I think we're seeing is actual use cases for NFTs. So I would say we've gone from just kind of experimentation projects to real companies building tools and applications that people can use coming from all sorts of backgrounds. And it's not just a collectible anymore. It's actually something with value. And so that gets me excited. I think there's a, a place for all the different types, you know. I love the art community. I love the PFP community. And I also love, you know, talking with Web3 companies that are looking to build applications that creators can use, artists can use, and even things like, you know, NFT domains, Web3 identity, stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Um, I think what's really cool about you is that, from my understanding, you got started in Web3 not too long ago. Is that true? It's been, uh, I've been full time for about a year now. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. Is that a long time? Maybe not. <laughs> no, I mean, a year I think in crypto it's inspiring. feels like a decade. <laughs> yeah, a year feels like a decade once you're in Web three. But it's also inspiring because when you're outside of the Web three community, you it seems so daunting. Like, how do I get in? Where do I fit? It's a new language that you have to learn. And I think you are a great example of how fast you can learn in this space and how fast you can grow. For sure, um, which is super cool. And I think. 
I think one way that you're you've done a great job at growing and attracting a community is because you're a great writer. So like your Twitter threads are excellent. Like my favorite one, I think you have it pinned up. You basically explain the history of art in the last 250 years, which has brought us now to NFTs, which you call digitalism. Um, and I think writing in general, especially in Web3, is a great skill to have and it's kind of slept on. So I'm wondering if for someone who wants to get into Web3, for someone who isn't a coder, isn't into tech, writing is a great avenue to get into Web3. I'm wondering what is your best advice to someone looking to get in through copywriting? Uh, I just, well, thank you for A, appreciating the writing, uh, the kind words. I I have really focused on you know building in public, sharing what I learn as I learn it, because I find that the best teacher is someone who's one step ahead of you. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm a blockchain developer. You know, I, I've been buying and investing in tokens like Bitcoin, ETH, and you know, altcoins since 2017. Maybe that makes me more of an expert than some, but by no means am I uh, you know, the guru of it all. So as I went out on my journey to learn about Web3 and NFTs, I just wanted to share what I was learning along the way. And yeah, writing about it's been a really big part. And I found that writing, it it really forces you to clarify your thinking. You know, you might have a thought about a use case or a project, but until you put words on paper, it's kind of like, it's still, it's still up here and it's not crystal clear. So writings helped me just distill my learnings and my thinking. But I'd say the biggest tip I could give to people wanting to get into crypto is I think doing something along the lines of what you're doing, what I do, and it's, and I can only say that because it's it was my experience. It's creating content around a topic you're interested in. So I first started in Web3 just making doing a podcast on the side about music NFTs. I did it for like eight weeks. And then I got reached out to by Unstoppable Domains. They were looking to hire a full-time podcast host and creator and saw my stuff. And so what I was putting out into the world is really like a side project, a side hustle, ended up being my full-time job way faster than I ever thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to do it for like a year before I ever made that transition, but it happened, you know, in six to eight weeks. And so if there's a, a topic that you love right now, right now, personally, I'm focused on Web3 creators because it's a, a role that I find myself in. So this is like an example, I would say you could copy for any interest that you have that's crypto NFT related. So I'm interested in Web3 creators. Uh, today, I put out a post uh, on seven tools that you can use to turn your content into NFTs today. All free tools. If you're a writer, you can use Mirror. If you are a musician, you can use Sound. If you make videos, like your mu uh, music videos or like concert videos, you can use Glass Protocol. So I put out like tools and resources. I did it via writing. I made it really consumable for people to understand and then take steps themselves. And so, you know, if I wanted to get into Web3 and I'm super into like music videos, maybe I would spend a lot of time writing about Glass Protocol, talking to artists who have dropped music videos on Glass Protocol. And that just kind of gets you in the space. You'd be surprised at how quickly you can meet builders and leaders just by kind of interacting with the things they're building and the communities they're creating. And that's kind of your foot in the door. So I think content creation is the easiest place to, to start in Web3 because you don't have to be a builder. 
you know, we all have phones and uh, Twitter accounts. So I'd, I'd start there. But, um, you know, there's also tons of, I'd say technical resources you can use too. And that this has been something I follow as well, because before I got into content, I was doing data science and product management. So I was more on the technical side of things. And so, you know, platforms like Alchemy, they just came out with their Web3 Alchemy, like learning platform that has uh, beta access you can apply to free courses, basically to become a Web3 developer. Like there's tools like that out there. Um, if you're into data analytics, there's a YouTube course um, under called our, our network data 30 for 30. It's like 30 videos on how to become a SQL expert on the blockchain. So I would say that there's just so many resources out there you can take advantage of. It just depends on what avenue you want to go down. Yeah, and that's that's the coolest thing about crypto is like it's it's like an onion, right? I like to describe Web3 as an onion where, you know, the deeper you get into it, you either cry or you enjoy it more, right? Depending on your your taste buds. One thing you know that stands out to me and I think it's a, it's a it's a big opportunity is the creator economy, right, Josh? I mean, that's probably a reason why we're all here on a podcast. And you know, I've I've said the idea before on our podcast actually probably like episodes ago is I think a huge way that creators and their audience are going to be different in the future is like, think of a YouTube channel that's starting from scratch that the first thousand subscribers get like a soul bound token or a soul bound NFT, right? That you get to get specific perks from like, imagine Josh's first thousand subscribers, whether it's on their newsletter, on their YouTube channel or on their Instagram, Get an NFT to say, hey, I was here before anybody else and I get to share some type of reward, monetization, so on and so forth in the future. In your thoughts and your vision as a creator, do you see that something being beneficial, obviously, in the long term? How will it be possible for creators now that are already big to kind of start taking over or understanding that mentality and kind of carrying through the web three culture and their already existing creator economy. Yeah. I, you know, the creator economy is like that concept of a thousand true fans is something that I've been really thinking about and experimenting with. So like I just launched a newsletter and I'm calling it 1000 true friends. And cause I kind of want to think of the people who are following along with me and learning with me more as friends than fans. Um, cause I think it's uh, more of, an open conversation. So it's a fun play on the idea. But also subscribe to my newsletter, you can find it in my Twitter account, head to my profile. But I think that I think that the, the concept totally is viable. And we're already seeing it play out with a lot of web three native creators. When it comes to uh, I think there's no better growth tactic and hack than giving out free NFTs. So if you're just starting as some kind of content creator today. Maybe you're a podcast host, maybe you're a newsletter writer, maybe you're something else. You could be making videos or be like a vlogger. Giving out free NFTs is the best way to start, you know, kickstarting your community. Um, it rewards people. It's a way to allow people to feel like they identify you through collection and ownership of your content. And it's just, it's just fun. Um, it, when you put out your first NFT and you give them to your early subscribers, followers, whatever it may be, I think both parties feel engaged in a new way that current social media is lacking. I kind of have this viewpoint that Web2, 
social media is very passive. Our, our feeds are dominated by algorithms that, you know, push us content. And sure, we do follow people. But when I post a tweet, maybe 5% of my following actually sees it. So you could even be following me, but you still might not get my content surfaced on your feed. And on the flip side, I think Web3 is very active. And, it, and it, it's a beautiful switch to the passiveness of like social that is today. So I say it's active because I'm giving you this NFT. I'm saying, thank you. You're following me. You give me your wallet address. Like that's a, or you collect something I put out, whether it's free or paid, that's an active choice that says, Hey, I connect with what you're putting out. I identify with it and I want to own it and have it in my wallet with me. So yeah, I think the 1000 true fans is, is definitely a viable model. And when your question on big content creators or artists today, can, you know, can they do it? I think they can. But if I was a big artist, I, and I don't know how you want to quantify big even, but if I was a musician or YouTuber, I don't think I would set out to sell 10,000, 20,000 NFTs to my like following, even if I had 30,000 followers. I think I would purposefully keep my audience or my community that I'm building small because the truth is we're all still learning how this works. Yep. Learning what incentive mechanisms connect with people most, which, what are the best ways to distribute NFTs? What kind of NFTs do people want to collect? So I would say, yeah, you want, you want to find 100 people who just really, really love what you're doing, really want to be active collectors and maybe have a two-way conversation with you instead of just following you and then slowly build on that community over time. So that's how I'm approaching it. You know, I can share. I, uh, I created POAPs, proof of attendance NFTs. And it's like probably the easiest free NFT you can make or one of them. And I gave them out to my first 200 newsletter subscribers. And uh, not all of them collected it, but some people did. And it's been a cool experience just to say, hey, thanks for subbing to this newsletter. Here's a free NFT in exchange just to say you were here first. And I will over time find some kind of cool reward for them. And we saw people get a little bit reward hungry, I think, over the year because of like airdrops. You know, we saw NFT, like PFP projects drop tokens and everyone's just like, oh, you better drop a token or why am I still holding this NFT? So I, I'm a little fearful of over promising on airdrops to, you know, your collectors. But I, I do think that there are some fun free things you can give them over time that's just a, a thank you versus, you know, here's some monetary reward for being an early subscriber. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. While we're on the topic of content creation, um, I think it's so funny, though, because like we're all here talking about Web3, but we're doing it through Web2. And I know this is talked about a lot. Like we utilize Twitter, we utilize Discord, Instagram. Those are all web two platforms. What Parisa was getting at was we use web two to talk about web three. And some people, I, that, that's interesting to bring up. You know, I'm, I'm actively using Twitter to promote like an NFT collection or something like that. So you need to, if you're a creator of any kind, I think you should look at web two and web three like this. Web two is how you get distribution. It's how you get your voice out to people in math and like mass quantity. But Web3 is how you provide value. And so that's how I separate those two for me. You know, right now, 
Um, right now I am using Twitter and my email newsletter to reach people. And then I'm using NFTs and like the underlying Web3 tech, tech to provide additional layers of value and engagement with that community once I reach them. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you on that. And that leads me to my next question, right? Is digital identity is obviously a big thing in Web3. And for you, you have obviously Moonbirds as your digital identity, right? At least on Twitter. So how much do you think does your growth and your distribution in Web2 have uh, an effect or how, how much do you think your digital identity has an effect on your growth and the type of people that you attract based off your identity? One thing I have noticed personally is like a lot of the, the bigger people in this space are very tied into these hyped up brands as NFTs, Moonbirds, Apes, Artifacts, Doodles, right? But in reality, there's a lot of other valuable NFT projects that also have a focus on, let's say, education or writing or technology, but there's no real identity behind their users. So how much do you think that it, that's kind of tied into you know, your digital identity and, and how you've been able to move forward in the space because of the NFT that you have? Yeah, definitely something I've thought about because, you know, I had an I had an ape, I had a mutant ape. I now rock the moonbird. I've got some other PFPs and in, in my collection that I could use as, you know, a little bit of a, a digital avatar. And so one of the ways I think about it is getting a PFP from a popular project is definitely a way to get a little bit of maybe momentum for a day. You know, you can buy a PFP, make it your buy an NFT, make it your profile picture and tweet about it. And you might get 100 followers that day from the project who you know want to support you and rock with you. But to have true sustained engagement over time, you, you do need more than that. Uh, I, I think that it's interesting to have a PFP because it says something about you. And so the, the profile picture you have gives people clues into who you are, what you represent, what values you hold. If my profile picture was just a picture of me smiling, you might think, damn, that's an attractive guy. You might not think that. Uh, but you don't really know much about me besides just literally just a picture of who I am. Um, maybe if I'm wearing a blazer, I look professional. You know, if I'm wearing a jersey, I look like I'm into sports. But when you rock a PFP, like my Moonbird, you know I'm into generative art. You know I'm into the things that the proof ecosystem represents and the values that they talk about. So... It's kind of like a way of tapping into the culture of a digital community and everyone can see that and know it right off the bat. And so, you know, there are some downsides in terms of some of those digital identities cost a lot. You know, they, they literally cost money to be able to, you know, use as your own identity. So is that accessible? Not always. And so that could be a barrier to sharing those values with others, but, um, in general, I do think that the use of avatars does tell us a lot more about who someone is than just a picture of their face. Um, so I, f I find that interesting. And I mean, digital identity to me goes much deeper than just an avatar. It's the name you represent online and then even the data associated with that name. And so that's if you want to get into, you know, NFT domains, that's really the identity and reputation side of the thing that I spend with Unstoppable, but from a pure avatar play yeah you know my moonbird i think my moonbird says i'm just into nfts i'm into i'm into investing maybe i'm a little bit of a dj maybe i'm early stuff like that 
And, yeah, wait, and, let me ask you a question about uh, domains while we're on the topic. So recently we've seen um, like three-digit domains explode. Um, why do you think that is? Because to me, the digits, they don't really um, convey a message, at least to me. Like they're not expressive in the same way that would be like an actual name rather than numbers. So what what's your take on that? Yeah, the three-digit uh, explosion in terms of the value that those domains are catching has been really interesting. And even more so, we're seeing sub-communities of like domain holders pop up, which yes, is exactly. interesting too. So the let me I'm going to start maybe taking a step back before I get to the digits. So the biggest use case for NFT domains right off the bat is that it turns a wallet address into a human-readable name. Mm -hmm. So your wallet address is like 0x, ABC, 1, 2, 3. It's long, it's complex. No one actually knows all the characters in their wallet address. Maybe you only know the, I bet you only know the last four of yours, if that. Right. And so then you can turn that wallet address into parisa.nft or mo.x. So it gives it, it makes it human readable. So if you want to send me crypto, boom, you know, you can type in mo.x into your wallet instead of, um, or you can, if you're sending it to me, you can type josh.nft. And so, and then on the identity layer, if you're using, crypto applications, instead of displaying your wallet address when you log in, or maybe on a leaderboard, it will show your NFT domain name, right? So when thinking about that use case, the question is, why do digits have value? Well, digits are some the three digits are about the shortest you can get in a domain yeah. with three digits. And um, some people think that, you know, one, two, three is more premium in terms of the most simple name to give someone to send crypto to than a first name might be. I don't know. Like if you if you told me your name was Parisa and I wasn't, I didn't know how it's spelled, I might not know if it has one S or two, you right. know? Um, and so, and, and there's even language barriers. So talking to someone in another country, what's, what's going to be easier? Is it telling them your name or mm. the eight character word that is your domain? Like, dgenking.crypto or is it <laughs> saying it's 888.x and i think normally digits are going to be easier to convey globally than words will so that's really why we're seeing that explode is the concept that people are latching onto of nothing is easier to tell someone else to than numbers when it comes to sending you info now if that number gets longer than, I don't know where that threshold is, but probably if it's longer than five, yeah. now it's starting to look like a wallet address again, you know? Right. So it gets, it, there's this fine line between it's three digits is simple, but once you increase in digits, all right, maybe a word is actually better again. By the way, for everybody who's listening and doesn't know what Unstoppable Domain is, it's probably one of crypto's newest unicorns over the last few months right at a billion dollar valuation and it's also one of the biggest marketplaces to get your own domain name uh and i think you guys have dot nft dot eth dot um world right and, and a few other endings. yeah so it's I appreciate the shout out there 100 percent. yeah we raised series a billion dollar valuation a couple months ago stoked to see that happen really i mean it gives us a lot of runway to now build through the bear market, right? Um, we, yeah, we give out NFT domain names, so you're right. We do .x, .crypto, .nft, .wallet. Um, .eth 
is not our domain extension. That's ENS, Ethereum name service. But we're pretty similar in terms of the, the use case, the market we're going after. There are a lot of differences between ENS and Unstoppable. Um, you know, and, and I, they are a competition, but I have nothing bad to say about them. I think it's awesome that we're both growing the marketplace. There's such a huge need for NFT domain names. There's 100% going to be multiple parties working in this space. So it's my belief that everyone in the world is going to have a wallet address because we're all going to be crypto users. If everyone has a wallet address, we all need NFT domain names to simplify that experience. Um, so yeah, people are going to have ENS. People are going to have Unstoppable. Um, it kind of depends on who you are, what you're looking for. But uh, yeah, like you said, we provide NFT domain names to simplify the the payments, but it goes deeper than that. It's really a Web3 identity. So we're working on things to track your reputation, looking at your blockchain transactions, give you kind of a digital profile. What on-chain data or off-chain can you associate with your domain so that when you go log into whatever application you're using, you can then exchange that data in, in exchange for maybe it's rewards, promos, a better user experience. So if you want, I can give you like a really quick example of you know, I'll, I'll throw a question to you two. How many usernames or websites do you think you have made accounts with on the internet in your like, life? Yeah, that's probably something that's very hard to track. Um, I mean, at least 100, right? You've logged into at least 100 websites and it could be like shopping at PacSun and it could be checking out on the Chipotle app and then it could be logging in on Twitter. Those are all separate accounts you have. But all those accounts, the data associated with you, the usernames, the passwords, they're all held in separate databases by those companies. And instead, if you could log in with your NFT domain, so like josh.nft, if I could take josh.nft and log in across every internet application I use, that would, that would allow me to carry all my data and my online reputation with me to all those sites. Um, instead of it being fragmented across all of them. So that's like the general challenge we're working towards. And it's kind of a twofold part because one, you have to be integrated into the websites, right? And then so we have, we just hit 500 partnerships, integrations, which is awesome. And then on the other hand, it's, you have to build features that people actually want to use. And so, you know, we're working on the reputation systems, working on making NFT domains more valuable, and we're working on the partnerships. So Hope that's not too of a long-winded answer, but that should clear it up for anyone who's not no. familiar. No, I think that's great. And I think that's a great segue too into a, a Reddit, right? I don't know how long or how much you've been keeping up with what Reddit's doing, but I think it's a sleeper. And I think a lot of people need to know about this. So yeah. in my eyes, Reddit is really revolutionizing and using Web3 to its max capabilities at the moment, right? So first off, they went with obviously the free airdrop with Reddit avatars that everybody has heard about right mm -hmm. those airdrops they use obviously matic they're on open so you can purchase them not much money there but it's a cool token to have just for engaging on a platform that that's big right then they did a collaboration with some of their biggest artists that are reddit based and they said hey we're gonna drop nft artists uh with reddit avatar designs right and those are actually surprisingly selling for a good amount of money as well on the secondary market anywhere between like 0.3 to even one eats and now they also have a point system, 
right? Which is pretty much think of like an engage to earn at its max. So for doing the same exact activities that you're doing every single day, you're now getting rewarded points that they used, I believe the Arbitrum Nova network, right? To be able to track and give people those points. And, and their vision in the future is like, hey, how can you use these points, not only on our platform, but on other platforms as well? Yeah. Right. So tying that in with obviously, you know, the interoperability of the domain name and the NFT name and the wallet names that you, you may have in the future, how likely is that to be actually possible from what you've seen because i can sit here and i can say you know what like personally i think it would be really cool if i sit on instagram two hours a day instagram gives me a token and then i can go ahead and use that starbucks to get two dollars off my coffee right so is that something that can actually be implemented and what do you think you know are the the possibilities and capability of doing something like that yeah you know i'm definitely tracking some of the stuff reddit's doing i i think it's cool that they're experimenting now when it comes to, I think what Reddit's doing is we're going to see a lot of companies follow the similar path in terms of they'll distribute their own tokens or their own like crypto NFT based reward system like or Starbucks. point system. Yeah, yeah, like Starbucks. And those are almost going to live natively within their, just within their own lane. They're not all going to be interoperable. It, it's, you're not going to be able to take your Reddit points and then use them at somewhere else. So that's probably what we're going to see more of than this whole interconnected web, because then it kind of comes down to, well, whose token reigns supreme and is the one we use at all these places. You know, it's, it's going to be, everyone wants to compete and make it their token is what's used everywhere. So that's probably not going to happen. But what I do think is like you, while you may not be able to use your token everywhere, the tokens you do have or the reputation you do build on all these applications can link to one name. So, you know, that goes back to the NFT domain names, but mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're even seeing different web, like telegram came out with something saying that they're going to have some kind of web three based identity name. Um, you know, obviously Reddit's doing something with usernames. YouTube today just announced they're giving, actual usernames to YouTube accounts. They're not nothing crypto related, not web three, but we're just seeing everyone's thinking about how people have usernames. And so it's really going to come down to who's integrated in the most places, who has the most partnership connections. And so, you know, I have no idea who, who Reddit's going to partner with next. Um, but I can look at the ecosystem right now and kind of see which applications are integrated everywhere. I would I would dare to say probably unstoppable in ENS are the most widely integrated web three companies today because we're we're in everyone's naming system um it probably outside of that maybe uh this is like a, a sleeper integration but alchemy they they have they do api support so you know apis are just like a back end that a lot of websites use and they can they they're integrated with tons of people so alchemy is probably um polygon i mean there's so many apps built on polygon right now that I feel like a token from, I mean, Matic is is Polygon's token, right? Like that could be something we see everywhere, but yeah, I have no idea how Reddit's going to continue doing what they're doing, but it may just be used for Reddit native activations and engagements versus, you know, everywhere else. I think what we're talking about here is so hard for most people 
to conceptualize because all we've known is a free internet, right? Like we expect everything to be free on the internet and we don't realize it's not actually free. We're just providing our data. There's an exchange happening. Just most people aren't aware of it or they are aware of it. Like a lot of people realize like your phone's listening to you, TikTok's listening to you, but they don't really care that much or not enough to stop using it, right? Um, I think there's actually this web browser, I forget the name, there's a web browser that um, lets you collect rewards, collect tokens for sharing your data on that browser. So like, it's up to you whether you wanna disclose what you're looking up. Brave? Yes, Brave, there we go, that's what it is. And I think that's so revolutionary that people can't really wrap their mind around it. And I think another problem with that, and this is going to be more NFT specific, is how are you going to onboard people who don't understand or want to pay for gas fees? Like, that's a huge problem and barrier that I've been talking about since we started this podcast. Um, But I'm wondering, like, is there a chain or like a layer two that you see would be more opt for mass adoption? Or do you think ETH is going to finally evolve into solving that problem itself? Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to answer the gas fee question. But before I want to jump back to kind of this Reddit, you know, interoperable thing we we're talking about. So mm-hmm. if I could see a world where... Um, Let's say you're a big user of Reddit and you are in like a subreddit about cars and you have karma points, right? And so I could see how you could associate those karma points to your wallet address, to your NFT domain. Like that's a, I'd call that an on-chain data association. So you are able to tie your, your NFT domain name and Reddit's karma points. And so when you go log into another app with your NFT domain name, and that app has to do with cars, right? So this is a very specific example, but they might be able to say, hey, we see you're a power user over in Reddit uh, on the car subreddit. You have all these karma points. Here's 10% off. So Ooh. that's, I think, probably how the, the, like the Reddit points karma you know, token system they're building is going to mm-hmm. play more versus... That's the interoperable part. It's people can build experiences and mm-hmm. reward you for having karma somewhere else. It's not a global reputation system. You know, they're, they're tapping into Reddit's reputation and rewarding you for having it there. But it's, it's kind of like a way to find super users almost. Um, but okay, that was just a, point, a thought I had I wanted to share. Now, and, and you could see, but even though I'm talking about cars there, there's thousands of companies that can look at thousands of subreddits and then, you know, reward people for having karma around the niche that they're involved in. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to gas fees, so... Web3 companies need to think about the user experience they're, they're giving their customers through whatever service they're offering. And yes. having gas fees associated with whatever you're doing is not really keeping the user in mind, or at least it's not giving them the best experience possible. And so I can give an example from Unstoppable just because I'm seeing how the company's operating. I'm seeing how the, the strategy we're implementing and... We're blockchain agnostic because we want to be sure we're using the right blockchain for the user. And so while we started building on ETH, gas fees got crazy. So yeah. we moved over to Polygon. And, and that means you can mint your domain without paying gas. And so and while that, while that sounds maybe like just a small transition, 
It means we're saving millions and millions of dollars across our users, like 2 million minted domains. How much gas fees are they going to be paying across all that? That's, that's a big savings for the user. So uh, I do think gas fees are going to be something that inhibits people from building on Ethereum. Um, there are some things you may want on that blockchain because it's usually, it's kind of viewed as premium. It's like, paint, yeah. do you paint on canvas or do you paint on paper? Like, I think that's a maybe a comparison people use, but I don't even know if it's fair because in the future, at least from the people I'm talking to, like the, the Web3 thought leaders I'm interviewing on my podcast, like what I'm hearing is the future is going to be multi-chain and the best experiences will be you're not even realizing you're interacting with the blockchain. Like the yeah. blockchain will be, you don't, when you're on the internet, you don't realize you're using the cloud. The cloud's just doing its thing and we're benefiting from it. And it's going to be the same thing with like Web3 tech. It feels right now, it feels like we're using the blockchain because it's so new and we haven't gotten to the user experiences that are mature enough to get away from that yet. You know, so um, I think that means, yeah, no gas fees. I think <laughs> it means people will be using L2s and um, ultimately the the experience that is cheapest and fastest will probably be preferred to. So like, it's pretty, in I mean, it's pretty interesting even comparing ENS to Unstoppable. So like with ENS, you have to buy, at, you're buying your domain on Ethereum and you pay gas fees and you, and like, you have to pay with crypto. You have to yeah. set up a MetaMask, transfer crypto there, connect it to the site. You can pay for an Unstoppable domain with crypto if you want, but you can also pay with your credit card. You can pay with Apple Pay. And so like those user experiences are really going to, I think, I think, I think that's going to be a big factor in what we see in 2023, because yeah. uh, as the audience isn't just crypto native people, if we, if we really think this is going to be globally adopted, um, it needs to be something our parents can use or someone that isn't like a super crypto familiar can just jump on in and, uh, and start interacting with right away. That's I hope that answer. answered your question. Yeah, I know that was a good answer. And uh, here's another question I have, right, is this is also like one of those contradicting ideas that I'm sure we all have. So part of Web3 or the core of Web3 resides on Twitter, right? When you look at our podcast, our communities, obviously, we're better off growing on Twitter because we know those are the people who already are naturally interested and curious about the space and they want to learn more. Mm hmm. But if we were to grow, right, or we all want to grow, for example, unstoppable domains, again, another example, is they need to be marketing outside of Twitter, right, meaning other socials. So for the Web3 culture that we have now, why do you think a lot of it is only residing on Twitter? And I feel like it's not expanding beyond that, just because the, the space is just like so congested only being on Twitter, only being on Discord. It's like everybody's fighting to take people off of those and put them inside of their NFT community instead of like, hey, why don't we grow this thing up and move to other platforms? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, audience fighting for attention is hard in, in the social landscape. I, I feel like it's happening on Twitter because Twitter is kind of more for maybe philosophical conversation. It's definitely more tech focused. Um, and you're seeing that I had a friend text me yesterday and they were asking me, why would anyone want to collect a free NFT? And I was like, all right, bear with me. Here comes, you know, the longest blue text message you've seen in your life. And so it took me 
it took me paragraphs to explain the reasoning. And I think that's partially why like Twitter is a platform is because that we're seeing NFT people gravitate to simply because so much discussion has to happen. It's an actual discussion platform back and forth. And whereas in, in TikTok, you're trying to stop me from scrolling within a second and you're maybe trying to like sell me on something. Let me know about the hottest NFT project. Like that's not how I'm going to learn. Um, yeah. Whereas on Twitter, I can take my time and read through a thread that's about a concept that I can really dive into. So I think that's a little bit why Twitter's the focus right now. But I'm seeing some Web3 native platforms that are actually taking off from a social perspective. Uh, Lens Protocol is mm -hmm. like a Web3 social and they're on top of Lens. Basically, Lens is a protocol and then people are building yeah. the Web3 version of Twitter, of YouTube on them and others too. So like there's the Twitter version is called Lenster. The YouTube version is called LensTube. And I'm, I got on there this past week and posted a couple things. I'm seeing great engagement. I have 60 followers and I got like 40 likes on my last post. It was crazy. And so oh, yeah. I think we'll, we'll, we'll see some of these conversations go to Web3 socials. We'll see some of them happen on Twitter. Some of them might you know bleed over eventually more to TikTok and YouTube too. But it's just really where, where are the people building, spending their time? And founders primarily post on Twitter because they're not vloggers, they're not YouTube, they're not in front of camera people, you know? <laughs> and so because founders are where a lot of the alpha comes from, I think that's why that's why we're on Twitter. But uh and I found it to be my favorite social because uh you're not judging me. Like it goes back to that digital avatar question you asked earlier. Like you're not judging me based on what I look like, like you might on Instagram or you know, maybe how how I sound on video, like I might on TikTok, or my, what my production value is on TikTok. You're judging me based off my ideas, and so that's why Twitter's reigning supreme right now. Because the people who have the coolest ideas or are able to articulate them in the simplest way, like a podcast host, you know, you're going to be able to find an audience. Yeah, that's funny actually, because like, that's true. And I completely agree with you. Like Twitter gives you the freedom to express thought, idea and conversation in a way other platforms don't. Um, but at the same time, like, then you see people like shill and villain, like become the top trending person on Twitter. So it's like you have the freedom to learn and create value. We also have the freedom to just be entertained and only be in that realm as well. Um, so what, what I want to say about Twitter is so of course Elon is in this huge legal battle um, in acquiring or not acquiring Twitter, right? Um, and there's this rumor swirling that um, I think Mo actually pulled up the text of it, the text conversation between Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey, the former founder of Twitter, um, talking about making it an open protocol social platform. So instead of having these new protocols like Lens, we just see a revolution in the web to existing platforms moving to web three. Um, so I'm wondering, like, do you think it's possible for that to happen? Or are th is there going to be real competition of new platforms and people one day will not even be using these web two platforms that we have right now? Yeah, so so tough to really predict. Um, I try to look at example. You know, one example I think we saw in social right now is so. Be real popped off, 
And then all yeah. of a sudden TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram all started to make features that are very similar to Be Real. And right. so, yeah, like I don't think Be Real is going to take off from a long-term social media standpoint because people probably want to just stay. We're going to be, we're overwhelmed by how many social apps there are. So I'd rather just use the one I already have my following on instead of try to get a whole new following again. Um, so I, we see, we see big monoliths implement features that like these startups have to try to stop them from ever growing. So will, you know, Twitter do the same to Lens and Deso and these others? Um, you know, I think that I, I think there's a good chance, you know, I do. Uh, and it's if you are like a celebrity and you start a podcast, you might be in the top 100 tomorrow. And versus, you know, someone who isn't a celebrity trying to start, you have to build that audience again. So from a pure audience building perspective, the social companies have such an advantage. Um, now, where I would be curious to see what Twitter does is, can you build applications on top of Twitter in the same way that you can with Lens Protocol? Mm. Can you tap into that data that the creators are basically making by you know dropping posts as NFTs. So if Twitter goes to a web goes web three, I want to know is it composable in the way that Lens is composable? Um, because I think that's at least what the web three creators want. Um, and that would give me an idea. But I was just having a conversation yesterday with with someone about Apple Pay. Like if Apple mm -hmm. Pay created a native crypto wallet within the wallet like we already have in our phones. Yeah. Like, why would I use MetaMask? You know, right. why why would I use any of those wallets? So we're, we're definitely going to see some of the top tech giants create crypto features that startups are trying to make and probably crush them, um, maybe adopt by like adopt them or work with them. But I don't know, I guess I would like to see. I, I just have no idea what Web3 Twitter would look like. So, um, whereas I know, I, I know a little bit. I feel like Twitter is already Web3. <laughs> Nobody's serious or it's very serious. It's either threads or entertaining. Yeah. And you get to see everything you want that's going on in the space. You know, I don't even know if they're going to try to be what Lens is trying to be. I just think they yeah. they could do some yeah. really simple things to make it more crypto native. You, just make it so I can, like I, I was telling my friend uh, that was asking about free NFTs. When you post on Instagram, I bet Instagram very soon is going to have a button that allows you to collect a post. You can make mm. it free or you can make it, you can monetize it. You can make it a dollar, $5, whatever it is. And, but if you could collect tweets, collect Instagram posts, I think that would be a step in the direction for like web two becoming a little bit more web three, uh, yeah. without necessarily becoming a full decentralized protocol. So just giving, giving creators the way to make new revenue streams essentially. Yeah. So for creators that are just not sold on NFTs and Web3 yet, right? What was the turning point for you to be like, this is why I'm doing this? Where do you see it going in the future? And why should somebody get started now? Hmm. You know, it's harder for me to pinpoint the exact turning point, the inflection point, but I can pinpoint a DM I got uh, over the weekend. And over the weekend, someone messaged me and said, hey, post this on Leinster and set a fee for it. I want to collect it. And it was the first time someone told me that they wanted to 
pay to own my content. And that really struck a chord with me. It, it made me feel valued. It made me feel connected to that person. Um, and so even if it was only this, like I only plan on listing it for a dollar, but it's just a way of someone saying like, man, I, I really connect with that. I identify with that content. And it's so much more, it's again, it's so much more active than a passive mm -hmm. like would be like a like you like that and it's lost in the ether. But if they can collect my content, um, that's forever. And so that is, I'd say that like line of thinking, that feeling is what really made the switch for me. Um, I think I also, as a creator, feel overwhelmed a lot about chasing likes, views, downloads, follows. And I would much rather, like personally, I would much rather have a thousand people who really want to know what I'm like, read my next piece than... 50,000 people who maybe don't even like anything I ever put out. And so as a creator, personally, I'm looking to have conversations. I'm looking to mm -hmm. engage and not feel so isolated. Like I just click tweet and it goes out to people and I don't hear from them. So if you're someone who really wants to get deeper relationships online and think about your online identity as like another, almost another home um, versus a separate space, then I'd say like Web3 is a little is something you should experiment with. Um, why you should get started today. Man, uh, it's inevitable that all content is going to be collectible. 100%. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't we start creating like uh, digital NFTs give the opportunity for digital things to become digital property? And, mm -hmm. and when that starts to be the norm, uh, the people who start today are going to a be thought leaders of their, of their own because they'll have experimented with everything coming out and um, be able to teach the next generation. Um, and B, you'll probably find new monetization streams that were previously unavailable to you. Basically, like I, Emma Chamberlain sells coffee beans. Mr. <laughs> Beast sells burgers. Why have we accepted the fact that the only way to become like make money as a creator mm -hmm. is to get a following and then have to sell tangential products around your brand versus mm -hmm. actually be able to sell the things you make, sell your vlogs, sell your articles, sell your podcasts instead of having to sell merch. I don't need another beanie that has your logo on it. You know what I mean? Like I want to like <laughs> your dope video. And so that's yeah. why you should get started today. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, Dude. yeah, that was one point, but it's interesting like we're seeing all these celebrity brands like the only way to like be successful as a creator and someone in pop culture now is to find a product or service aside from your true talent or reason that you're known um to make money um and i think like for me because like i'm not i i'm a girl i don't do gaming i think a lot of men find communities and find people through gaming and all that stuff but for me, when I hear you guys talk about um, finding a community and like wanting to actually be a part of it in a meaningful way, which is what NFTs can provide, um, I, I, for me, it was hard to think of a use case. And then I thought, oh, music, like, like 
when I was in high school, it was super cool to be like, oh, I was the first like on SoundCloud for this song or something, right? Imagine if you you love The Weeknd back in like 2012. Imagine if you had that opportunity to buy or get a free The Weeknd NFT. Imagine what that could do for you now. Like being one of his original followers and supporters or even Mr. Beast. Like if you were one of the first thousand subscribers to Mr. Beast, think about the utility that that could have for you today. Like not only monetarily, but also in terms of community. And it gives you a kind of identity. Like this is what I like. This is what I'm into. And I've been in it for a long time. Um, so I'm wondering like, cause I know you are very interested in music. Is there any pro protocol or app right now that you would recommend in terms of NFTs and music and how they've been bridging that community? And would you, would you think about getting your rap career started on it? Music, uh, music's struggled to kind of gain legs in Web3. Um, and yeah, you know, I... I'm so ready to start my rap career, by the way. <laughs> I, I've been rapping my whole life for fun. Um, and my, I got like concert tickets behind me. I was like a hype man DJ with my best friend. He raps. And I kind of was able to hype man on stage and live out that dream. But um, I, I have thought about dropping music NFTs just for fun. But uh, from a <laughs> protocol perspective, they're, the main music NFT companies right now are not open for everybody to drop on like they're mm -hmm. curated they only allow some people to drop and those would be the biggest one sound and then uh catalog it, they do one of one nfts so they're kind of viewed they're positioning themselves for premium music nfts uh the friend of mine that started a music nft startup was mint songs unfortunately they had to close down during the bear market um but they, they, I think they helped onboard like 5,000 musicians to Web3, but it's just the, the monetization side, the sales weren't really clicking. Right. So I would say if you're a musician wanting to drop a music NFT, if, you, if you're embedded in Web3 and have some kind of like Web3 audience, sound might accept you. If you're not, I was just writing about this this morning. Um, if you're not, you could look at... I would look at Zora. Um, Zora is a place you can make free NFTs um, and basically kind of own your smart contract. You could look at, um, what's another one? Manifold. Manifold's a way to build your, like own your own smart contract. But it could be as simple as make dropping it on OpenSea. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to overcomplicate it. I would kind of test it out uh, before you spend weeks or a month yeah. trying to build your Web3 strategy. Like put one NFT out on OpenSea put it out there, see if anyone wants to mint it for a dollar or, or even for free. Yeah, totally. So I think music yeah. NFTs are going to click more for concert tickets, maybe more than before than they do uh, like songs. But Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Like Rolling Loud, I think they're releasing their own NFT collection that like gives you access to any Rolling Loud um, festival in any city. Um, I don't know what the details are, but I think you're right. Like ticketing is the most obvious use case for nfts and music um and what i was gonna say in the beginning of the podcast when i uh disappeared um is that i wanted to play a game with you we play it with all of our guests it's called this or that um and because you're a rapper i made it a little spicy uh, okay let's go okay ready yeah little baby or da baby 
man. Uh, I'd say little baby. I feel like, yeah, yeah. little baby. He's hot Back. right now. He's Me too. Hot. Little baby is my favorite rapper. Okay, USDT or USDC? USDC. Easily. Facts. Doja Shiba. Um, I have just like a personal value that I will I won't ever touch either. Um, but if I had to touch one, Doge. <laughs> I agree. Okay, Kodak or Cardi? Mm, man, uh, I. I'm going to say I have no idea what Kodak's ever saying. I can never understand him. So, uh, Cardi. Yeah, that gets all my, uh, I guess my girlfriend. What do you mean? Cardi's a mumble rapper too. Yeah, he's pretty mumble-ish as well. I feel like it's the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, Cardi gets all my my friends hype, so I'll go with her. Okay. Um, October or Downtober? Mm. I stay positive all the time, so I'm Uptober. Okay, weird. And then uh, one NFT project that you would hold forever, one that you would flip, and then one that you would never touch. Hmm. Well, I guess I can look at it two ways. The NFTs I own and the ones I maybe wish I own. Um, Hold forever. Gosh. So hold forever. Uh, One I'm going to hold forever is my... Season one, LeBron James top shot moment. Uh, it it represents <laughs> wow. just me getting into <laughs> NFTs. LeBron's my goat. He's my favorite player. I watched him lose last night on opening night of the NBA. Me too. And so um, yeah, it did hurt. So I'm going to hold that just because it's a good memory. Like I think NFTs can be fun. Like I spent like $800 on it and I'm not looking to flip it. Like I'm looking to hold that and, you know, put it in my house on a, a NFT frame. So that's hold forever. One to flip. I'd say I don't think I'm I don't think I'm holding anything right now that I'm looking to flip. But uh, the last flip I made was Other Side Land. I honestly nice. I feel like Other Side Lands completely lost the narrative with because it's it takes so long to build a game. Like there's a chance you can buy that yeah. and flip it when the next uh, announcement comes out. Um, but generally, mm-hmm. I consider myself a collector, not a trader. And then there was one more you said, never touch. Yes, um, never touch. Never touch. So Azuki's got a lot of hype recently. I think their their uh, value's gone up. They made some kind of announcement. I'm never going to touch Azuki. Mm-hmm. It's just because like the fo- what the founder um, like basically bailed on the project. So yeah, I generally am never going to touch a. Oh, I got a better answer than that. I'm never going to touch a Twitter. Go. I'm never going to touch a Twitter DM w- w- linking to some NFT. Uh, I get <laughs> I get them every day. And a hundred I, of them a yeah. day. You'll never yeah. get me clicking a link of yours in the Twitter DMs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, never will touch one of those. <laughs> you know, we don't having an NFT that. Co- have, imagine having an NFT that collects all the shitty DMs of you getting free mints and selling that as an NFT. <laughs> like here you go, guys. Yeah, I, I couldn't even give that out to my community. I just burn it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think this was great. Josh, thank you so much for having us. Make sure you guys check out Josh's yeah, newsletter you. and his Twitter link down in the video below. Subscribe to our newsletter as well. And then we'll see you guys on the next episode. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on.